family of podcasts. It's me, it's Tommy B, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Hey, Super Friends. Uh, no Superflex dude today, as you can tell from that week open. You're stuck with uh, me, Tommy B, today, doing his first solo podcast. So bear with me um, because we're in the thick of it still in the fantasy season, and we've got a ton of standard operating procedures to get through, uh, Superflex dude or not. Um, but since I'm running this show, I think I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Um, first, a couple of housekeeping items. We are going to have a very special episode later this week with none other than my wife. She's a doctor uh, in psychology, and she has some really fascinating takes in our conversations about dynasty fantasy football and just fantasy football in general and the psychology behind it. So keep an eye out uh, later in this week because we're going to drop a very special episode. And I'm just super pumped to talk about fantasy football with my wife, as I imagine anybody with a partner who is into fantasy football might be. Um, so yeah, that should be out sometime, maybe Friday or Saturday of this week. Um, but let's get into today's content. I want to start with some dynasty theory, uh, because I was looking at last year's top scores at the individual positions. And it took me a while to remember how little we know this far into the season with individual performances, looking at the quarterback position. Last year's QB5 was Jared Goff. The QB9 was Geno Smith. And the QB10 was actually Carson Wentz. And two of those quarterbacks overperformed, right? Jared Goff finished the season as the QB10. Geno Smith all the way up at QB6. Carson Wentz, the bottom fell out for him. He wasn't able to maintain that QB10 status that he started off with. And he finished all the way down at QB31. At the running back position, the RB4 was actually CEH, believe it or not. Jamal Williams at RB6, Cordero Patterson was an RB1 down at RB12, and Damian Harris was a solid RB2 at number 18. At wide receiver last year, Marquise Brown was all the way up at wide receiver 6. Cortland Sutton was wide receiver 13, and Curtis Samuel right behind him at wide receiver 15. Now, why am I going into last year's stats to week four to talk about our standard operating procedures this week going into week five? Well, I think this is probably pretty instructive to the fact that we have a lot of confidence in the dynasty space, in the fantasy space, especially on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And a lot of that is unfounded. We think we know what's happening in this 2023 season a quarter of the way through uh, the fantasy season. But in fact, we do not. We don't have the slightest idea where these players who are overperforming relative to their ADP, where they're going to finish. And so I think having that humility right now is really important. Just accepting that not only might we be wrong, but we're probably wrong in how we feel about some of these assets right now. And when I think about that, I think of, Let's say a Kyron Williams, you know, is he someone like Jamal Williams of last year where he came out to a hot start and he finished strong as well? Is he an outlier relative to his ADP or is he going to fall off? I want to be open to both possibilities. 
That's not sitting on the fence. That's exploring the market in each league that you're in to try to find some of these overperformers and see where the individual markets are. Uh, do you have a league mate who is in on a Kyron Williams profile, a late ADP uh, explosive player, or are they looking to get out? Can you perhaps buy some cheap production? I saw on Twitter today, someone was asking the question, would you pay two seconds for Kyron Williams? And I think regardless of the name, that is the perfect type of question to be asking yourself today. Because as we go into the season, uh, you know, sort of the middle half now, you may have some teams that are overperforming relative to the points that they've scored. Um, you know, you may have a an easy early season set of matchups, let's say, but you find yourself at three and one or four and oh. I would encourage you to take that as a blessing and move forward and buy some extra production because while you may have a paper tiger, um, you also can capitalize on these uh, added wins that maybe you didn't deserve. And it's time to push a little bit harder to get some of that immediate production on your rosters. And let's say you're going the other way, right? Let's say that you really don't have the horses that you thought you did and you've got a Kyron Williams. A lot of teams are making their moves right now in terms of pushing toward contender status or maybe thinking about rebuilding. Um, and so I just wanted to highlight some of those names, uh, you know, a Carson Wentz, a Damian Harris, Curtis Samuel. Those were hot tickets last year. And so when you look at your team this year, consider some of the overperforming players um, and, and what you want to do with them, which direction you want to take. But let's get into some of the roster moves that we can make this week to improve our teams. On the Make Sure They're Rostered tab, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He may have been dropped. Um, he had a concussion last week, did not play. Um, I think that there's a possibility in shallow redraft leagues that he was dropped. And so it's a good idea to make sure that he's rostered. At running back, we've got Gus Edwards, one of my favorite stashes uh, of the offseason. Right now, he's getting volume. He had 15 carries to Justice Hill's three this last week. And honestly, I see him having a decent workload in all likelihood moving forward. Is it an ugly backfield? Yes. Will Melvin Gordon take carries away from Gus Edwards? Possibly. Will Justice Hill cut into his workload? That's another possible outcome. But guess what? Gus Edwards is essentially free. He may even be on your waiver wires. So just take a look and see if he's out there. If so, get him on your get him on your roster and get some cheap points. At wide receiver, Rashi Rice is someone that I want to point out whose role has really grown with the Kansas City Chiefs over the last couple of weeks. And this is a muddled wide receiver room. I'm not entirely sure, to be totally transparent, how it's going to shake out. Yet this is the type of profile that I'm willing to bet on at this point in the season. Because if we do get an ascension from Rashi Rice, there's a possibility that we have an elite producer in that offense, but perhaps more likely is we have an ascension in trade value and we can move a Rice into a more known profile if and when he hits a few weeks and then we can trade that profile off of our roster and get something that is more likely to produce down the stretch. At tight end, it's a really rough situation. Um, there isn't much out there outside of the top handful. We've talked about this before, 
But one player I wanted to point out has run the most routes in the entire NFL at the tight end position, and that's Tyler Higby. It's unlikely that he's on your waiver wire, but I've seen him out there in some redraft leagues, and he is the perfect person to occupy the tight end spot if you have not invested heavily in the tight end spot. So take a look, see if Higby's out there. Um, going into this week, it's even more critical to check because we've got bye weeks upon us now, right? So the Browns, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers, they're all on bye this week. And that's probably why waivers feel so thin right now. It's because we've lost four teams uh, in our starting lineups. And so it's it's really thinned out. And this is going to test not only your rosters, but your league mates as well. And so if you feel strained to start enough players and whatever your requirements are, don't feel bad because your league mates are feeling the exact same strain. This is a time for perseverance. It's a time for starting some of the uglier, less sexy names on the back end of your roster. This is why you have those players is to start them through bye weeks. So don't be ashamed to start some of these uh, Gus Edwards type players. That's why you have them. That's why you roster them is to carry through these bye weeks. A couple of ads uh, that I want to keep an eye on personally in my redraft leagues. I've got two short-term patches at the quarterback position that I wanted to highlight. The first one, Mitch Trubisky. Are you going to enjoy starting a Mitch Trubisky? Probably not. Uh, he's facing the Ravens this week, and then he's on bye, so it's not even a, a great start this week, and you'd have to carry him through his bye if you if you want to hold on to him. But what he does do is he does occupy a super flex position. I'm not anticipating uh, him being the cause of my victory. I'm seeing a Mitch Trubisky type as a Band-Aid to help carry me through if I have a player who is injured um, or one of these players on by, right? Maybe I have a Justin Herbert and I just need a spot start this week. Another player to keep an eye on, Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones is still likely the starter. However, he was benched late in the game. Bill Belichick said there was no reason for him to be in the game at the point in which he was benched. And so Bailey Zappi came in. There was some off-season rumblings that perhaps Zappi could take the starting quarterback job in New England. And I think that's still possible. Do I think it's likely? No. But for a $0 waiver bid, I have no problem putting a Bailey Zappi on the end of my roster and seeing how this shakes out. More unlikely things have occurred. Uh, when I think about a recent example, I think about Brock Purdy last year, right? He was a, a waiver wire ad that was later in the season, but he turned out to be a excellent uh, $0 bid when the whisperings were, were out there that Jimmy Garoppolo maybe wouldn't hold on to the job. And then he got hurt and he had a rapid ascension into production. I, I could see a Bailey Zappi having that type of opportunity and all it costs you is a zero or $1 bid on your waivers. He's also a really easy player to drop. And so I like having those types of opportunities. Let's say that a running back pulls a hamstring in practice on Thursday, and he's now doubtful to start. Then you can just drop Bailey Zappi and pick up the backup running back, right? Moving on to running back, Jaleel McLaughlin, 
over in Denver had an amazing game. Javante Williams uh, was hurt. He's probably going to be back this week. But McLaughlin, as a undrafted 180-pound, 5'7 guy, put up 100 all-purpose yards. And I am done saying players are too small to play in the NFL. Tutu Atwell, uh, Devon Achan, they're proving us wrong. Devonta Smith, we're starting to see that the smaller players in the NFL, maybe they have longevity, maybe they don't. But what they seem to have is short-term production. And that's what I care about at the running back position. Samaj P. Ryan seems to be taking more and more of a backseat in this backfield. And so McLaughlin is a perfectly fine stash. I'm not sure if I'm going to start him this week, to be honest with you, Super Friends. However, I like having the optionality of having these high upside running backs. 100 yards is a pretty good RB2 performance in any given week. And it's something that I'm willing to put a, I don't know, a 5 to 10% waiver bid on. One player I'm willing to bid a little bit more on is Chuba Hubbard. He is outperforming Miles Sanders down in Carolina. You look at almost every single advanced metric, Chuba Hubbard is better than Miles Sanders right now. I don't know if it's a lingering injury that Miles Sanders had in the preseason. I don't know if Chuba Hubbard has just um, ascended. I don't know if Miles Sanders has lost a step, but whatever it is, I am willing to invest in Chuba Hubbard because I think that there is a chance that he becomes a 15-touch type player down the stretch. And this is something that I become very excited about. And so I'm willing to spend somewhere in the range of 15% of my fab on a Chuba Hubbard. At wide receiver, it's really thin right now um, because the production profiles are just, they're not that different anywhere between wide receiver 36 and 60 on a given week this season. So I just wanted to highlight Tyler Boyd um, as a potential option. T. Higgins is dinged up. The Bengals offense is kind of a mess. But when you have an injured quarterback, when you have an alpha wide receiver who is out and you're not anticipating, let's say, a 20-point outcome, you can turn to the slot wide receiver on that offense. And I would turn to Tyler Boyd if I had a wide receiver three hole in my starting lineup this week. And I didn't have anyone to fill it because that's how I construct my teams is when I have um, bye weeks, let's say, put me in roster construction trouble, I turn to the waiver wire and I turn to a Tyler Boyd type. If he's not on your waivers, there are plenty of other wide receivers in this tier. Uh, Don't overspend. $1 waiver bids should be enough for this type of player. At tight end, we're going to get real nasty um, and kind of depressing, to be honest with you, especially as someone who has probably eight to 10 shares of Kyle Pitts on my 19 dynasty rosters. Um, I want to talk about Johnny Smith. I think we almost have to talk about Johnny Smith this week. He's only playing 57% of the snaps on the season, but he's got a 2.18 yards per route run and a decent 16% target share, which is 12th amongst tight ends. Am I excited to start Johnny Smith? No way. I'm kind of pissed to start Johnny Smith. But if I have to 
fill this spot. Um, let's say I've been starting Donald Parham the last few weeks and the Chargers are on by. I will begrudgingly pick up Johnny Smith and pluck him into my tight end spot. Um, and, and I'll grumble about it all week, to be honest with you, because what they're doing in Atlanta is just, it's malpractice. <laughs> I mean, they have Drake London, they have Kyle Pitts, who are just elite fantasy assets. And they're misusing them. And they're giving Mac Hollins and Johnny Smith more targets. It's just, it, it breaks my heart, to be honest with you. But we can't live in the world of what should be. We have to live in the world of what is. And right now, Johnny Smith is a starting or streaming tight end. So next week, this week, guys, um, speaking of that Atlanta situation, I haven't yet given up on Taylor Heineke becoming the starting quarterback. I honestly think it would be an upgrade, similar to what happened with Andy Dalton down in Carolina, where last week he uh, played instead of Bryce Young and was pretty good. I think the same situation could happen in Atlanta if Heineke ever gets his shot. And he should have last week coming into the second half because when the Falcons were playing the Jaguars in London, it was embarrassing how Ritter was performing and Heineke deserves a shot to see what he can do with this offense. So he's a perfect next week, this week candidate. Um, it just feels like a matter of time before he gets the starting nod. Moving on to running back, I want to talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He is just buried in the running back rankings, and justifiably so. However, we want to roster backup running backs, right? And we want to have running backs who are going to have optimal situations moving forward. The most optimal situation for a running back right now is facing the Denver Broncos. And guess who the Chiefs play two out of the next three weeks? The Denver Broncos. Isaiah Pacheco had something like 20 carries and 100 yards. He'd only done that once before in his professional career, albeit short. I am willing to put CEH on the back of my roster as a injury away running back with two optimal situations coming up. Is it likely that he's going to get a starting nod in one of those weeks? No, but if he does, he could be an RB1 for free. So he's a great next week, this week stash. We've talked about Sean Tucker already ad nauseum, but I have to bring him up again because the Buccaneers are on by. And there's usually a bit of a bump if uh, backfields or wide receiver rooms are going to change in the percentage of playing time allocated to a different player. So with the Bucks on by, I would imagine Sean Tucker will be dropped in a lot of redraft leagues and honestly, probably some dynasty leagues as well, some short bench dynasty. He's somebody that I want to have uh, at least 50% exposure to right now because I could see them coming out of the buy, them being the Bucks, and Sean Tucker all of a sudden flipping that backfield on its head and getting 60 to 70% of the touches. 
again, he can probably be had for a $1 or $0 bid if he does get dropped to waivers. And so he's just a low risk bet. And those are the types of bets that we want to make right now. Speaking of low risk bets, um, I talked about Jeff Wilson last week as a possible uh, ad. He's still on IR. He can come back uh, this week, I believe. But I want to talk about Salvin Ahmed because <laughs> I just want as many free running backs in the 49ers and Dolphins backfield as I can get. And it doesn't get any freer than Salvin Ahmed. He had zero touches last week. Zero touches. I don't care. I want to have running backs in the Dolphins backfield. Devon Achan was electric. He had something like eight touches for 100 yards, and he looks the real deal. I think he even had two touchdowns, but he's 180 pounds, and he plays the most brutal position maybe in all of sports. I think it is a wise investment to take the free third-string running back on the 49ers or Dolphins offenses, and Salvin Ahmed he could find a way back into touches. He had something like 10 points earlier this season. I could see him doing it again at some point in the future. Another stash of a player who's going into his buy. We were hoping he would have a larger workload. Um, it didn't materialize this last week in week four, um, but it may coming out of the buy next week. That player is Quentin Johnston. Josh Palmer seems to have taken over a lot of the target share that Mike Williams vacated. Sorry, Peter Howard. Um, but there are many opportunities for Quentin Johnston to assert himself, especially coming out of a buy. It's a narrative that honestly I do buy into that there's more time for rookies to take a breath entering their buy for them to meet with their offensive coordinator and find plays that will work for them based on, you know, the past four or five weeks of practice. And they can start to build out a package of plays for Quentin Johnston, who is an electric athlete, who is huge, and who would fit perfectly uh, with Justin Herbert. So he's somebody that I'm willing to pick up um, relatively cheaply and just hold through the bye week. And we can see what happens. Uh, if he doesn't perform coming out of the bye, he's an easy drop candidate. One player that you can get points out of uh, possibly this week, but especially next week, is Michael Gallup. Uh, Superflex dude and I have kind of disagreed on Michael Gallup. Um, he has a really tough matchup this week, but next week he gets the Chargers, who have the 32nd best, i.e. the worst pass defense um, for wide receivers. And so Michael Gallup, who has had an increasing target share, I believe six and seven targets uh, the last two weeks. He's finding his footing in this offense again, and he could be a post-hype sleeper who fills a wide receiver 32-ish tier uh, in your lineups where he doesn't wow you, he doesn't beat your opponents, but he allows your elite players to shine and he fills a starting role very cheaply. So I've been putting Michael Gallup in my lineup the last couple of weeks, and I think I will, I'll be benching him this week um, in his tough matchup. I think he has the 49ers. Um, but when he plays the Chargers next week, I am 100% putting him in my wide, re wide receiver three spot. Moving on, um, tight end. I didn't really see 
any great candidates for next week this week. So I'll just circle back to Tyler Higby. Um, he does get the Cardinals in week six, who are just terrible against uh, tight ends. And like I said earlier, he has the most routes run out of any tight end in the NFL. It's just it's such a bad position that I struggle to put a name to anybody you should specifically buy, because if you don't have the very elite guys, just roll out the same guy every week because it's such a touchdown dependent position. Um, so don't invest heavily if you don't have to. Super friends, super flex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Moving on to drops. Um, <laughs> I am going to put a giant delineation uh, on my drops and say, if you're starting 10 or fewer players in a 12-team um, Superflex redraft league, if you own any wide receiver that you're not starting after like the 40th ranked wide receiver, just get rid of them. Honestly, this is not the time to be stashing wide receivers unless you have a plan to start them. Let's say you're in a start to uh, wide receiver and you've got a few extra flex spots and a super flex. If you're not putting these wide receivers in those flex spots, get rid of them. Let somebody else hold on to them because the wide receiver 40 and the wide receiver 55, they're essentially the same player on a seasonal basis. And on a weekly basis, good luck figuring out who it is that is going to pop that week. I, I think if you were to play a game with yourself where you're trying to predict um, anybody between wide receiver 40 and 55 who's going to go off that week, you're going to be wrong uh, more often than you realize. And so I'd rather just be wrong by not having them on my rosters. Um, I'd rather have my opponents roster them because it gives me more access to the Gus Edwards of the world. So anybody after wide receiver 40, if you're in a 12 team start 10 or fewer, just get rid of them. Uh, a couple fades that I want to talk about. I've actually got two quarterbacks and they're both performing really, really well right now but I'm fading them for different reasons. The first one is actually Jordan Love. He has done way better than I had anticipated. Um, not that I was down on him. It's just, he's performing pretty well, but hidden within that strong performance is a really high uh, floor, let's say, really low floor. I'm seeing his turnover worthy throw rate as the highest in the league at 6.9%. And so he's kind of gotten away with uh, some positive puck luck, let's say, going in his favor. And it's just a matter of time before that starts to go against him. 
So if you are playing in a league where interceptions are penalized, um, I would consider trying to move off of Jordan Love or at least tempering expectations because I think that he he may be outperforming what we should be expecting of him. Um, as even doubters like me, I, I am I am in on Jordan Love, but not at his current production rate. I think that it is going to go down and we just need to temper those expectations. I also want to fade uh, who I believe is the quarterback one overall in Justin Herbert. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but he's going into his buy. And so if I can trade him away now for a player not on his buy, I'm always into that, especially in redraft leagues. Um, if I can move laterally at the position, even if I have to throw in a small piece and just avoid the buy um, and then, you know, trade the next guy away when he's on his buy, I'm always interested in that. But the reason that I'm a little concerned about Justin Herbert is that he is uh, running the most RPOs actually in the NFL at 9.8%. And that's significantly more than anybody else up to this point in the NFL with a left-hand injury that seems to be pretty severe. Um, I believe he may have cut his finger and, and maybe broken it or jammed it in a pretty severe way. Whatever it is, I think he's going to have a lot more shotgun snaps. I don't think he's going to be running as much RPO. And if the Chargers are running more uh, run pass options than anybody else in the NFL, that tells me that is a base part of what they want to do in the Kellen Moore system. And so if that's something that we have to take away in the short term, the Chargers are going to be operating out of their uh, intended scheme. And I'm a little nervous about that because I want offenses to be operating exactly as intended. And with Justin Herbert's hand injury, we could see a few hiccups until that heals up. Let's spin to the positive. Um, couple of buys. And these are really some of my favorite buys going into the season. Um, they did get a little bit overcooked. And the value, the dynasty value especially, has really fallen off on both of these guys. Let's start with the wide receiver. Um, this offense is hot garbage. The quarterback just got hurt. Um, the offensive coordinator may be the least popular in the entire NFL. If you can't guess who that is, um, I'll spoil the surprise for you. It's Deontay Johnson on the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is eligible to come off IR uh, from that hamstring injury next week. And he is a target hog. He is Amon Ross St. Brown light. And I think that right now he is vastly undervalued. I saw him go for a second and a third in one of my leagues. Um, I will pay that price very happily in any league where I can get it. And if you think about an equivalent player, um, I would consider trading a Marquise Brown type, let's say, for Deontay Johnson. He's just a player who, in a points per game basis, I'm anticipating finishing somewhere on the wide receiver one, wide receiver two fringe. I'm not sure if that's a hot take, but that's my expectation. Despite the fact that Mitch Trubisky is going to be starting next week, despite the fact that they may have the worst offensive coordinator in the league, and it's just not working right now. The whole system is not working in Pittsburgh. 
But despite all of that, Deontay Johnson has been one of the lone producers over the last few years, going all the way back to the twilight of Ben Roethlisberger's career. And so I am going to buy in yet again to the Deontay Johnson profile and just accept that he's going to be an undervalued, overperforming asset relative to his cost and enjoy having a high-end wide receiver two on my team um, at wide receiver three prices. One running back that has really lost his luster, who is actually demoted to the RB3 on his team, is Tank Bigsby. Um, he was seeing snaps behind Jamichael Hasty, um, and of course, Travis Etienne. He was an off-season darling. Everyone loved him coming into August. He was honestly going for probably too much. I traded Tank Bigsby away in one league for Michael Thomas and Tyler Lockett, two old guys that were at the end of their careers or somewhere near the end. Someone wanted the new hotness in Tank Bigsby. I think right now I could trade either Tyler Lockett or Michael Thomas in some leagues and get Tank Bigsby back because he has not lived up to the expectations that some have had of him. But if you were betting on that profile, on that high draft capital, on the fact that he looked great in the preseason, that hasn't changed. We're just a few weeks into the season. If we remember at the very beginning of this conversation, I mentioned that CEH was the running back four coming into week five last year. So things change quickly, especially at the running back position. Injury attrition is crazy high. You know, half of the top 24 running backs miss four or more games every single year. I don't want to bet on injury. What I do want to bet on is talent. And Tank Bigsby has that. And his situation can change in a single week, in a single carry. And he can find himself uh, getting meaningful touches, um, you know, without notice. And so if you believed in the, in the preseason hype, now is a great time to buy into Tank Bigsby. I think that you could trade away um, someone who's performing right now on a short-term basis and get Bigsby on your team because he's somebody that I don't have enough of, honestly, and I'm going to spend the week trying to acquire him. And so when I post this show uh, down below in the comments section on Twitter, if I get any Bigsby trades done, I'll make sure I post them up there. And please do the same, Super Friends, because I want to know what Tank Bigsby is going for. That way I can buy more of him. All right, a couple guys that you can sell this week. DeAndre Swift. He has proven a lot of people wrong this offseason. He was almost mocked going into week one. Um, and then after just, I believe it was a donut, if not, you know, just a couple points, he was left for dead. However, over the last few weeks, he has uh, been resurrected. He's leading the NFL, I believe, in running back yards. So he has ascended back to RB12 in dynasty ranks, according to DLF. And I'm not sure that isn't warranted. However, his ascension has been so quick 
that I am interested because I, I bought DeAndre Swift in so many places this offseason as the price fell further and further. I would be interested in getting out on some DeAndre Swift now. I still believe in him. I think that he could he could perform at a low-end RB1 rate for the rest of the year. I don't think that's out of question. What I will say is if he ends up on short-term IR for any reason this season, his value is going to drop again. I've gotten some production out of him already this season, and I am willing to sell now if I can get an insulated trade. What do I mean by that? If I could get maybe a James Conner type plus, uh, I don't know, a, a second round pick, let's say where I'm getting my production now. And then if either player gets hurt, if James Conner gets hurt or if DeAndre Swift gets hurt, I've still got that second round pick as insurance, right? I think a lot of smart people play this way. And we, we always preach buy low and sell high, right? How often do we practice that philosophy? I think that this is the perfect opportunity to practice what you preach. If you're on Twitter saying those types of things, DeAndre Swift may be a sell high right now. The other guy that I'm looking at selling has proven me wrong because he was my QB three in this rookie class. And that was CJ Stroud. Uh, I'm a Jaguars fan and I hate that he's doing well because <laughs> he has opened this division up along with Anthony Richardson with the Colts. And this is a much more competitive division because of CJ Stroud. His performances have been right up there with the Andrew Lux of the world uh, through the early part of his rookie year. And I'm impressed. Color me impressed. However, this is the time of the season where defenses have enough film on these young players to start scheming against them. This happens to the very best rookie quarterbacks. And it's only a matter of time before defensive coordinators identify what CJ Stroud struggles with and they force him to overcome that. Will he? I would guess so based on his early performances. However, with those middle season struggles that I'm predicting, his value could drop just a little bit. There could be just enough doubt to where he isn't at this QB seven or eight or so price that I'm seeing in the market right now. And so what I'd rather do is move to another of the established quarterbacks, the quarterbacks who have done this before. We've talked about Joe Burrow and the injury dip um, that has currently opened up in his market value. I wonder if CJ Stroud for Joe Burrow straight up would work. Or let's say you're a, a younger team that isn't competing this year. I wonder if a trade that I saw get done in the, in the DLF trade finder would be a good move for you where you get Kyler Murray and a 24 first in a super flex 12 team league for CJ Stroud. I've also seen CJ Stroud and a second, excuse me, CJ Stroud for Anthony Richardson and a second. I think there's a lot of mobility up and slightly down uh, within the tier that C.J. Stroud currently occupies. Uh, 
And so it's something that I want to explore um, with any CJ Stroud shares that I have. Not that I want to sell cheaply or that I don't believe in the player, but when quarterbacks ascend to this tier and they haven't done it for a full season or two, I'm always interested in shopping them around and seeing what I can get. And I, I want to be at the top, ideally. I want to see what a Joe Burrow uh, for, for CJ Stroud deal looks like, even if I have to add a little bit to get it done. And I'll take the short-term production dip because Joe Burrow is legitimately struggling. He's something like QB 25 on the season right now. That's okay. I am comfortable with that short-term uh, production dip because we know that as long as Burrow is on the Bengals, they're a Super Bowl contender when he is healthy. He's just not healthy right now. And so have a long view. Um, look and see if you can move laterally um, or even up with C.J. Stroud right now in the dynasty rankings. Let's move to those rebuilding teams. One player that impressed me this week who I've been stashing is Michael Wilson. He's a third-round pick on the Arizona Cardinals. He was getting some Michael Thomas comps um, back in the offseason. Is he an outlier bet? Yes. Third-round receivers, they don't have a great hit rate. But this week he had seven targets. He had 76 yards and he had a couple scores. That's not what I'm anticipating for Michael Wilson. Um, but it's certainly possible that he does this a few more times this year and establishes himself as a wide receiver one or two in that offense alongside Marquise Brown. I think that a lot of dynasty and fantasy analysts saw the Cardinals as a dumpster fire, um, as the likeliest uh, number one overall pick holder in the rookie draft next year, but they're playing pretty well. And it seems like they're being coached up pretty well by Gannon and his staff. Michael Wilson is somebody who I am willing to bet on um, in a profile that I'm typically not. Sometimes you have to be early to the party with wide receivers who are showing you things that um, lead to optimism. And so I would be just putting out uh, feelers for Michael Wilson in my dynasty leagues, especially because my teams don't have very many wide receivers, right? If you've got 13 wide receivers, try packaging a two for one at the bottom of your wide receiver core for a Michael Wilson. If you don't have very many, this is a perfect opportunity to spend some of the capital you've accrued at running back. Some of these short-term guys or maybe you sold some of those running backs earlier this year and you got two third round picks, let's say. I'd start shopping and see what see what the cost is on a Michael Wilson. Because if he becomes uh, the 1% outcome, a Michael Thomas, you'll be happy you got in early. And if, if you're wrong, let's say that he's not, let's say that he's Travis Fulgham at best, where he has a few good weeks and then fades into the ether. Okay, you spent, you know, one of your running backs you churn through, or you spend a couple of third round picks who have a terrible hit rate anyway. It's a gamble I'm willing to take. Finally, if you're a rebuilder, this is the time of year where other teams are picking their directions. And let's say it's not going well for one of the teams that has these top six or eight quarterbacks. We don't need to name them. Um, Y'all know who they are. 
I would be shopping in a consolidating move for one of these top quarterbacks on a team that has sort of fallen out of contention and is willing to make a bad move. Um, so if you can get, um, for me, I love Dak Prescott. I think that he is currently, um, the numbers that he are, he's putting up are not reflective of who he is as a quarterback. The same with Trevor Lawrence. Those are two guys that if I were on a rebuilding squad, I would want to find my way into a Trevor Lawrence or a Dak Prescott um, because A, their value could and I believe will go up throughout this season. B, they're really solid bets to produce moving forward. And so if I can send uh, multiple pieces off of my team and move my potential points or my uh, win record downward and still have elite players at the quarterback position, that's the rebuilding move that I want to take at this time of year because those quarterbacks probably aren't going to be as accessible as we move through the year. We've got more bye weeks coming up. Injuries are going to get worse. This is the time when teams pick their directions to help nudge them in that direction of acquiring depth. Because if you're a rebuilding team, if you're really any team, but especially if you're a rebuilding team, you typically don't need depth. But other people, they don't think the way that we do. And they assume that if they're starting 10 players, they need 17 players uh, to backfill those starting positions. I don't play that way. I'd rather have 11 players who are better than those 17 players who give me quote unquote depth. And this is the time of year to make the move at elite quarterback if you can get it done. So those are the moves that I'm making. Um, Keep an eye out for some of those outliers that we discussed at the very beginning and try to pick a direction. If you think that they're going to keep this up, if a Kyron Williams is going to keep this up throughout the year, don't sell them. If you think that it's a false signal, now is the time to get out because uh, we're still we're still in the dark on a lot of these um, these running backs, especially. And then later this week, please tune in. I think it's going to be unlike almost anything you've ever heard in the dynasty space. Having a doctor of psychology um, and a really bright woman in the in the space. Um, So I hope you tune in for that one. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, Thank you so much to DLF for the platform. Thank you to the Superflex dude for giving me an opportunity to take part in the Superflex Super Show this season. Um, I don't think I've thanked him enough on air. And so now that I have the the lone microphone, I just want to put that out there. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk dynasty football, uh, redraft football strategy. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I'm so grateful that I get to do this for, gosh, the rest of the season. Um, it's an honor to, to be on the show. Um, but yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, this episode is dedicated in loving memory um, to James Brain. Um, Give me a follow if you'd like. Um, not super interested in follows, but more interested in the DMs at FFTommyB. Um, don't forget to follow the Superflex dude. He's he's great in DMs. He thinks so differently than I do, um, even though we come to the same conclusions. And so feel free to bounce ideas off of both of us because um, I love talking Dynasty strategy with him on and off air. Um, but yeah, good luck to you all this week. Um, 
until uh until next week stay sexy and uh super flexy